You're listening to Foreseeable, a production of Globalization, the flagship digital platform of Singapore's Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. Each episode, we invite an expert for a conversation relating to their field of study or experience and to find out what they foresee happening in the future. Leadership is always a popular topic of discussion. As our guest, Taha Hamedudin, assistant professor at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy says, if you want to sell a talk or a speaker or a class, you have to put the word leadership in it. But the fact is, leadership matters. And that's exactly what Professor Hamedudin and his co-author, Professor Trent Angbers, found in their recent study, Leadership and Public Service Motivation, a Systematic Synthesis. I'll start by saying that I did read the study, and it is very dense to a layman. Um, I mean, I, I did make it all the way through it, but then it's a little bit hard to absorb. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a challenge to kind of be faithful to the research, but also try to simplify and make it accessible. So uh, yeah, it's an ongoing challenge. Let's start with just the title, Leadership and Public Service Motivation, Systematic Synthesis. Can you explain the title to me? So basically, the idea is there are these two things out there in the world. Leadership, we see it everywhere, right? So if you want to sell a talk or a speaker or a class, mm-hmm. you have to put the word leadership in it. And everyone signs up because they feel like leaders make a difference. Mm-hmm. And all the failures of the world and the successes of the world can be attributed to leaders, even though that may or may not be true. Who knows, right? So that's one kind of construct out there. We know kind of what it looks like. We, you know, we may have some models of what's an ideal leader. And then there's this idea of public service motivation. It's this idea that has been around for, I would say, maybe in some form the past 50 years or maybe even longer, but it was formalized a bit more than 30 years ago. And the idea is that individuals that join public service or socially minded organizations have a unique motivation. So if I go work for a marketing organization or go trade stocks on Wall Street. My motivation might be different from someone who joins a nonprofit or who joins government or does something similarly kind of altruistic. So that was the idea to kind of explore why people choose to work in government specifically, but it's expanded to cover other sort of socially minded sectors. And the idea is that people choose these organizations to work for because they have this altruistic, other-minded motivation. Some call it pro-social motivation. Some call it public service motivation. I mean, for the purposes of, you know, being very simple, they're basically the same thing. And then the systematic synthesis is the study. It kind of refers to your your mode of, of attacking this problem. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so these two constructs are floating around. Many people have examined them. Does being a good leader, does that make people more motivated towards the social mission? Or does uh, being uh, publicly minded make you a better leader? There's like all this research. So having all these individual pieces of research is good, but in order to be useful, we have to kind of combine it all and give the big picture of what this disparate research tells us. Mm-hmm. So that's the synthesis part of it. So we find 39 studies and we analyze them because they fit our search criteria. And we go through them and try to figure out what's the big picture that they're trying to give us. Mm -hmm. in terms of a large-scale finding. And the mode of research, like you said, was a research synthesis, uh, which has become much more common in the past 10, 20 years of synthesizing a large pool of research to make it more useful. Mm -hmm. Before we get into your findings and everything, what inspired you to do this study in the first place? Someone connected me with with my co-author, Trent Engbers, 
he was interested in submitting this to a proposal for a conference on public service motivation. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing work on leadership, and he was really interested in what connects public service motivation to leadership. But really, it's about motivation and leadership, two like extremely important constructs, especially when you know there's belt tightening. You can't just pay people bonuses, right, to keep mm-hmm. them motivated. You have to find other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's austerity measures, COVID-19, so many other things that make motivation um, very, very difficult to achieve and sustain. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the genesis of the study. So took us about two years, I think, from start to finish to okay. get this out. And I'm very happy it's, <laughs> it's finally published. Yeah. When you talk about public service motivation, it seems a bit self-evident, right, that people who would go into that line of work would have some sort of altruistic motivation or some motivation separate from the pure profit motive, since there's more profitable sectors to go into. But as a, you know, area of study, this whole concept of public service motivation, can you break it down for us a little bit more? How was it established as an idea at the, in the first place? And how does it help people, you know, apply learnings to, to this sector? Yeah, so two very uh, simple ways in terms of application. So recruitment, right? You're trying to recruit people, you know that you can't be competitive in terms of wages. So you have to inspire people through mission match. And that starts from the recruitment of individuals into the organization. Because if you have people already in there, and you're trying to change their motivation, that's hard to achieve. But if you get the right people from the, from the get-go, there you have it, right? Uh, the second part is actual motivation within the organization. So when the job uh, gets tough, when the going gets tough, and you don't have the resources to extrinsically motivate people through bonuses or promotions or you know all this kind of other businessy type of things that we say are great, you have to find other ways to motivate people to keep them going. Mm-hmm. You have to tell them that we're serving a very important function mm-hmm. and inculcate uh, a public service ethic. And that doesn't come automatically. That's where the leaders come in. That's when the supervisors come in. They have to model those behaviors and those actions and those values. And that's when you actually see changes. So that's two very brief kind of examples. Larger in the sort of the policy world, if you think about the governmental reform, so not really in Singapore, but outside of Singapore context, you think about austerity measures, ways to reform the public service, you know, government is bloated, blah, 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 all these things. A lot of them center around the fact that, oh, we need government to perform better, so we should pay people more. And if they don't perform, we should cut their pay. And, you know, it sounds very um, sim- simple, Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is very simplistic, actually. And it might backfire because even experimental evidence shows that when you dangle a big reward in front of people, they usually get distracted from the actual task that they're completing, especially if it's a complex task that requires a lot of cognitive skill. If it's a routine task, then sure, those, those things may make, them, may make them work much faster, right? Increase their, the rate at which they work. But for complex kind of social things, right, this stuff kind of backfires. And so much of governmental reform is centered around this idea of paying people for performance when performance is not a dollar figure. Mm-hmm. Right. right. It's not stock market price. It's not profits. You mm-hmm. can't measure that in the public yeah. sector. So that's what makes public service motivation such an intriguing construct and the, it really links it to, to leadership. Mm-hmm. And then one of the key questions you were trying to answer is, Does leadership influence public service motivation or is public service motivation a factor in predicting leadership behaviors? So did you find an answer to that question? Well, not conclusively, Mm -hmm. because we we only had 39 studies that we found that examined this 
relationship between these two. But in general, it's much easier to predict that leadership will affect public service motivation, mm-hmm. which is a very practical finding. Okay, you right. know that leadership is linked to better job performance, retention, just general satisfaction with the job itself. Mm-hmm. Then leaders can actually do things to increase uh, their own public service motivation, and especially those of the people that they manage, the lead. Mm-hmm. The other way around. We found one or two studies, but to be honest, it's quite low to be able mm-hmm. to say conclusively. Mm-hmm. Even the leadership affecting public service motivation, we don't really have much causal evidence. We have association, correlation, evidence. It's very difficult to do get causal research in social science, uh, as you might imagine, because we don't have rats in a lab, right? Mm-hmm. Right. All that being said, leadership does predict public service okay. motivation. Yeah. Then tell me about the styles of leadership. And how did that influence public service motivation? We found actually that there was a few very overarching kind of styles of leadership or behaviors, which have been around for a very long time. So one of them is known as transformational leadership. You can just Google it. You'll find like four different behaviors, idealized influence, where people idealize you. You have some sort of big mission, individual consideration. This is where you give special sort of social support to a subordinate and you you consider their needs, you know, emotional, socio-emotional needs. You have inspirational motivation, which refers to providing a vision, articulating a vision that motivates people to some future state. So we have a crisis right now and 10 years from now or five years or next year, we'll have this other nice place we're going to. So that can motivate people to think, oh, okay, we're going there. Fine. I'm going to motivate myself to change my behavior so that we can get to that station. And then being intellectually stimulating, not just uh, caring about people's emotional needs, but also, you know, helping them uh, deal with intellectual needs and providing them work that's interesting. So that's the idea of transformational leadership. It's one of the most well-known kind of approaches. And we did find that transformational leadership is linked to public service motivation because it is about these larger ideals. So it's unsurprising to me, even public service, right? It's about these ideals of like, oh, serving the community or being socially minded. Mm -hmm. So it's very much congruent with the ideas of transformational leadership. The others that we found were some more new kind of approaches. So ethical leadership this idea that you model ethical behaviors in the workplace, not just through words, by saying to people, oh, you know, we should really care about ethics, but by actually modeling those behaviors so people can learn uh, from them. That's another one that, that we found to have an influence on public service motivation. There are others, but they're quite nascent. There okay. isn't too much work on them that that kind of informs uh, public service motivation. I would think if it's a government bureaucracy that has a a mission to do something in the public sphere versus a NGO or a nonprofit, which might be even more idealistic and might be set up by like a leader who has a real passion. Does that create kind of two different styles of organization that play into this public service motivation? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's like big structural kind of features, Mm -hmm. right? So with those smaller organizations, you have this one person that's driving everything. And uh, the sustainability of that organization is kind of questionable, right? Because once that person goes, who's going to take over? Will there be succession? Whereas government, you know, it's going to be there unless mm-hmm. there's some revolution and government is overthrown. But you know, it's going to be there. The structures are formalized. Everything's kind of done there. Uh, so that does give rise to a lot of differences in that relationship between public service motivation and leadership. And one of the big things is just size, 
When you have thousands of people working and you have these large-scale policies formulated at the top level and trickling down, uh, you really have to assess to what extent the intent behind some change, some managerial change, some leadership change is communicated, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the big issues in leadership is actually communicating intent. Because if you don't communicate intent, people will make up their own minds. Right. They may assume that you're acting out of your own interests rather than the interests of the people that, that you lead. So size makes a huge difference. And it's likely that you know survival m- m- makes a big difference also in, in that relationship. And lastly, it's probably much more likely that people self-select into these professions in the first mm-hmm. place. And that's the whole theory of public service motivation, that people self-select. Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not randomly assigned to jobs, mm-hmm. right? So I am motivated to work in the social sector, so I go work for this organization. Mm-hmm. So likely people already have public service motivation. Then the question becomes, uh, how can you hone that and actually use that, mm-hmm. right? Because in a lot of those sectors, people might actually burn out if they don't have enough resources. Right. So that's, that's another part which we don't examine, right? So there's a lot more work on that, especially in professions like teaching, you know, there's quite a lot of burnout, nursing, right? Mm-hmm. You could arguably say it's socially minded, public service minded. Mm-hmm. They don't do it for wages. So, so, that, so that becomes another issue, but we don't really speak to that in the paper. But you do talk about whether or not the relationship between leadership and public service motivation is constant or if it's contingent on the context, such as, you know, what sector it's in or, or national context. You touched on that a bit right now, but can you yeah. tell us a little bit more about what you found? So actually, we found very little difference. In fact, no discernible difference. Mm-hmm. And I would say probably that's uh, due to the um, limited number of studies. Okay. So if there were many, many studies in the nonprofit sector or across the world, then I would imagine that there are actually differences. But we can't speak to any because just because of the little number of studies, 39 is quite small. If you have hundreds, then it's easier. But I would predict that it is different. So if you think about just based on structural features, right? So Singapore Public Service, famously, you know, it's unlike other governmental services across the world, the pay is quite good. It's, it's very competitive with the private sector. Mm-hmm. That's to ensure that you keep the best within mm-hmm. the organization. They're not lured away. And also to reduce corruption, right? Mm-hmm. Rent-seeking, this kind of behavior, mm-hmm. which is a problem in Southeast Asia, right? So here, you know, public service motivation may play a very different role. So people may not really need to be public, publicly motivated. They might be. The other possibility is that people actually have these mixes of motivations, you're not purely motivated by public service. You still need to provide food and shelter for your mm-hmm. family. Right. Uh, you still want to buy a nice car and mm-hmm. house and all these kinds of things. But these, th- there are differences. When you compare just average levels of public service motivation across different sectors, the private sector comes down much, much lower. And this was like the research that was conducted about 20 years ago. But yeah, we didn't find a whole lot of differences. Okay. But I would imagine there would be. Actually, Asia is one of the regions where there, there is a lot of research on public service motivation. Mm-hmm. especially in China and Korea, mm-hmm. not so much in Singapore. But people do seem to, you know, have this, you know, public service ethic across the world. But we, we really need to know more. How would you expect organizations in the public sector to use this knowledge, whether it's for their recruitment or their motivation? What can they take away from this to help their organizations run better? Simply kind of put, you know, pay attention to people's uh, sort of public service needs, mm-hmm. you know, especially when things get tough. And people learn from their social environments too. When you link performance to 
extrinsic pay and all these kinds of things that's good because it does motivate people pay does motivate individuals but the problem is to what extent can you sustain that at some level the marginal impact of increased pay will will be very very small mm-hmm. you know uh, so then people actually want to make a difference so there's a few strategies so connecting people to their beneficiaries seeing the impact of your work right mm-hmm. having a sense of identity about what you stand for in your organization having a public service mission Uh, an organization that you're proud of that's also very important and making people aware you know that they're valued in the organization all of these kinds of strategies do make a difference in keeping people around not just when things are great but when the situation gets worse uh, mm-hmm. and you aren't able to sustain using extrinsic rewards those are general sort of implications with regards to public service motivation it would be really about honing the public service mission and vision mm-hmm. and that really comes down to leaders articulating that So can we say why is it that we do what we do today uh, and how does what I'm doing today affect the large picture of whatever you know whatever the policy is or the mm-hmm. outcome so you may not be able to connect all those threads and that's where kind of leadership helps articulate right. those different uh, things and yeah that that's basically it do you have any examples of good leadership you know in when times are hard or any organizations that have a a leader that's been inspiring and you know able to kind of implement these sort of ideas there's many many examples right i mean probably the ones you can think of right mm-hmm. people that have risen to the challenge really articulated a vision bringing people together usually they come from geopolitics right because that's stuff people know about so you could think about fdr roosevelt mm-hmm. you know even yeah. if you don't agree with the policies or all these kinds of things right mm-hmm. you could say that this person was in the right place at the right time which is probably very true mm-hmm. and it's really about rising to the challenge so the other stuff that we don't go into in the into the leadership literature is really about our leaders born or made mm-hmm. and the idea is that yeah you can actually make leaders you know there is not some random personality trait that makes someone a better leader or the other which is good news mm-hmm. for those of us that are introverts and may mm-hmm. not have social skills all these things don't matter that much for for actual effective leadership well one thing that came to mind was just how much there is an overlap with the private sector you know because a lot of the big mncs you know they have a, a whole csr model mm-hmm. they have mission statements and vision statements and especially over the past 10 or 15 years i've seen how so many more companies try to have a kind of public service angle to yeah. what their profit making you know enterprise is yeah i mean certainly and and this is for the re- the, the same reason right so mm-hmm. when you do a csr activities people tend you know as employees we feel better mm-hmm. like oh we're doing something good you know it mm-hmm. gives you a chance to bond also mm-hmm. outside of the workplace mm-hmm. see people in a more human light and connect yourself to beneficiaries and so i think yeah and this is becoming a lot more common especially if you think about the larger context within which corporations are responding to social pressures yes. trends uh-huh. right mm-hmm. to their detriment or to their benefit you know depending on who the audience is and all this stuff will kind of continue some of it is window dressing unfortunately and some of it you know if you take a take a very cynical view it's really trying to squeeze out as much from an employee as possible hopefully it's not that mm-hmm. it is an intentional effort to actually connect to the wider community uh, and do something good for the community that you know you're in but a lot of times you know it can just be like if it's not a priority by leadership it's just an office of csr that's in the basement office somewhere 
doesn't really get much resources or attention, then you know people might not take that seriously as well. So it's the job of leaders to actually make that a priority. Absolutely. Um, and if they don't, then you know people see through that. But there are some that are very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, one last thing I'd like to ask you before we wrap this up, because you mentioned several times that 39 studies is not much, and there's a lot of things you would still like to know. What are some things that if you could, you know, if you had all the time and money in the world, what would your next study be? What are some of the things you would want to find out? Oh, I mean, it's very simple. The next step would be to do actually uh, a meta-analysis. So our study was qualitative. So there was very few numbers, I think, if you you've probably have seen. So okay. meta-analysis actually gives you numbers, tells you how much of an increase in quantitative terms would leadership cause mm-hmm. on public service motivation. Mm-hmm. But also be able to, you know, conduct some primary studies where mm-hmm. you actually examine the relationship between these two in a context that has been maybe understudied. So Africa, you know, South Asia, you get a lot of studies from East Asia, from Europe, and from North America. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of regions that are very much underrepresented. And we don't know how leadership actually, you know, functions there. And because of all the reasons that we talked about today, leadership matters. It's an important uh, kind of thing. So yeah, lots, lots of things to figure out. And also, if I actually was, you know, in this God scenario, mm-hmm. I would try to figure out causality, you know, mm-hmm. how does it go? But, you know, much more challenging. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to mention? No, I would just encourage people to go read the paper, contact me if they have questions, you know, happy to talk. And does any uh, people working in public sector organizations or social mandated organizations, you know, I'd mm-hmm. love to hear from them too. So and see, see how they're doing. Yeah. Very good. A call yeah. to action. They can reach out to Professor yeah. if they have anything to add to the conversation. Yes, yes, sure. Wonderful. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, David. Take care. You it was too. very nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. If you'd like to subscribe to the Globalization Newsletter, look for the link in the description or find us on Facebook at Global is Asian.